In this episode of Upward Calling, we talk about the importance of the resurrection. Welcome to Upward Calling. We help Christians develop a better relationship with God by taking a deeper dive on a lesson from a recent Sunday service and help you apply it throughout your week with Dr. Kenny Embry and the speaker of that week. How you doing, Josh? Kenny, I'm doing great. We're back to a Monday evening recording, so we've let this marinate for a little while. So uh, <laughs> let's let's see what we've come up with. I love it. I love it. Well, I tell you what. Th- th- this last time you talked about the resurrection. For those of you, uh, for those of us who've been going to church for a long time, we we understand what this topic is. However, resurrection is not one of those words that we use a lot, and especially in the first century. You know, when when P, when Paul was going to get himself in trouble, well, all he had to do was talk about the resurrection, and he just mm-hmm. got himself into a world of hurt. First of all, what is resurrection, and why is it so controversial? You're right. It's not something we talk about a lot outside of um, Bible study, worship, church services, yeah. or speaking with other Christians necessarily. Uh, so really, when I speak of resurrection, all I'm meaning is the bringing back from the dead. Yeah. Uh, and, and I think we'll get back into this um, probably in some later questions. Mm-hmm. When the Bible speaks of that, it speaks of that in a, in a couple of different senses. Uh, but certainly at the time of year, which we're, we're in, and speaking of the resurrection of Jesus, we're talking about the literal resurrecting of Jesus from the tomb. Mm-hmm. And why that was so controversial in the first century was because... There was a thought that the um, uh, the spirit lived on. Uh, there was a, a philosophical uh, bent, in particular, and you read in Acts chapter seventeen as Paul is is proclaiming the gospel uh, on Mars Hill, and he gets to the resurrection of Jesus, and and they laugh at him yeah. uh, because there was a thought that uh, spiritual was good and spiritual was eternal, uh, and so there was this notion that yes, the spirit would live on, but. The idea that the flesh, which human experience sees, decays, grows old, dies, and then to say that that would then be resurrected and live on, that was a notion that was uh, scorned at pretty heavily in in the first century. That's exactly right. Um, You made the claim, and I I think this makes all the sense of the world, that resurrection has to lead to something either life or judgment. Why, Josh? Why does it have to lead to life or judgment? Well, um, that's a good question. Uh, <laughs> I don't get to set the rules here. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, when we're looking at it from the context of Scripture and and where we were looking at yesterday is in John chapter 5, yeah. and Jesus says in verses 27 and 28 that the hour was coming when all who were in the tomb would hear his voice and that those who had deeds of evil would be resurrected to judgment, and those who had deeds of, of good would be resurrected to life. And that's in keeping with you know so many other uh, passages in Scripture uh, about resurrection. Uh, Paul, probably one of the earliest writings about resurrection, is Paul's letters to the, the Thessalonians. Yeah. And so he talks about... Uh, those who were asleep in Christ, and they were going to be raised, and they would join Christ, which, by the way, I think when we when we look at this idea of being resurrected to life and being resurrected to judgment, this is pretty key, because what the Scripture is promising is that 
what happens after this is one of two options. It is either we're with God or we're not. Mm-hmm. And when you begin to look at what that means, and that kind of codifies what do we mean by heaven and hell? What do we mean by life and judgment? And God, who in Scripture is the giver of life, he's the giver of every good and perfect gift, mm-hmm. he's, he's gracious, he's merciful. And so the idea of being resurrected to something else, well, those who are followers of Christ, those who are faithful, they get to be with God. They are resurrected to be with him. The converse side of that is, well, what does it mean when you're away from God? And a passage I often go to is in 2 Thessalonians, where Paul is, it seems like he's answering some questions about some things that he'd written about uh, resurrection in 1 Thessalonians. And he's talking about their enemies, and this is a persecuted church, and what was going to happen to uh, them who were persecuting them. And so he talks about, well, when Christ returns, not only does are the faithful resurrected, but then the enemies of Christ, they're punished. There's a judgment that comes on them. And he says it is away from the presence of God, or away from the presence of Christ. And so that idea is, yes, this is, is God bringing judgment, but it's not, you know, the idea of hell or judgment is not, here is God torturing humanity. Mm-hmm. It is God's not there, right? And so you you have removed life and glory and grace and mercy and joy and all those things. So God says this is this is what happens that there there comes a time when the the faithful are resurrected and brought to Him, mm-hmm. and the unfaithful are resurrected and are sent away from Him, and that gets into why you know resurrection and judgment or the day of judgment the return of Christ all those things happen you know at the same time yeah yeah, yeah. you've already made reference to this fact that that this is the, the time of year that we call Easter and and unlike uh, unlike Christmas where we don't really know when Jesus was born we do know when Jesus died uh, we know Jesus died at Passover and, and at the at the synagogue across town uh, they, they've they've been celebrating Passover, so mm-hmm. this this is a time that we do know that Jesus was both killed and resurrected. My my son, <laughs> my son said it's it's a shame. He he thought that Jesus would probably not be uh, too too happy with the idea that we called the day that we killed him Good Friday. Um, that 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 was probably not a great thing for him. Uh, but <laughs> uh, that's, that's that's tremendous. Yeah. Well, I'll go ahead. I'm going to pause you here because yeah. my son, my youngest son, his birthday was Sunday, uh-huh. and so he's he's pondering this, and he thinks about other holidays, and he thinks about Christmas is always on December 25th. <laughs> yeah, Valentine's is always on February 14th. Right. And so he's thinking, well, why is Easter not always on my birthday? And so I was, we were talking about this idea of the Passover. Right. And I was even telling him, and sometimes Easter is not even in April, it's in March. Yeah. He said, no, it's not. It's never, it's never been in March. I said, well, yes, it has. <laughs> but if, if just in case there are those who are listening who have that same question, and it goes back to, you read in the Old Testament, uh, God gave... Uh, the Jews in the law, a system of of dates, uh, a calendar, mm-hmm. but it was a 30-day calendar, 12 months, 30 days. And so you do the math. Well, that's 360 days. 
And so that's a little bit shorter than, than our calendar. Right. And just like we add a day every four years, well, the Jews would have to add a month every, was it five years? Yeah, I think you're right. Six years? Yeah. Well, I, I need to go back and read my Old Testament, clearly. Uh, but so that's why Passover is always a certain time in in one of the Jewish months, but that's not always going to be the same time in our calendar, in our year. The Passover was a big deal, still is a big deal to the Jews. Uh, why isn't Easter, or is it? Is, is Easter a big deal to us, or is it not? That is that is a really good question. And this is one of those things when, when I think we need to be careful in how we define us. Mm-hmm. Um, because I do, I do think... Christians have liberty and have the ability to to think about various holidays in, in different ways. And, and I know brethren who uh, this was this was interesting. I, I was teaching a, a high school class when I was in college, mm-hmm. and there was questions about Christmas. And, and some of the high school kids were asking about Christmas, and and I was you know explaining it's like, hey, you know, we as a church we don't have a special celebration, and we certainly don't know when Jesus was born, but I don't think the scripture you know, points to any condemnation for those who at whatever time of year say, you know what, today I'm really thankful that Jesus was born on this earth. Yeah. And I just remember one of our, our um, high school kids, because in her house, they had always made a huge deal out of Halloween. <laughs> and she said, I don't know what our neighbors think. Like we ignore Christmas completely, but we have a huge party on Halloween. <laughs> so that just kind of has always stuck with me. And I've always thought that was funny. I hadn't thought so about that. I do think we need to be careful about us yeah, though, yeah. because within, within the body of Christ, there, there are going to be differing viewpoints. And I think this even goes back to Kenny. We've talked about kind of the, the different um, approaches depending on, which generation you're born in. Yeah. And if you're if you're raised in a generation where you went to school and you went to school with a lot of people who were very religious or at least somewhat religious and they would they would talk about, you know, their special Christmas services or they would talk about their special Easter services. And so you might have, you know, a debate about that. Well, you know, why do you have a special service when when God didn't ask us to have a special service for this? Mm-hmm. Um today, I think if if our kids are are in school and they talk to their friends and their friends are talking about going to church at all, they're like, oh, that's great. I'm really, I'm really glad you're going to church. I'm really right. glad that you're you're worshiping God. Hey, why don't you come with me next week? You know, kind of thing. So I, I think that that plays a little bit different in the mindset. Mm-hmm. So that we as a, as a group of God's people, um, we're not going to go beyond the Scripture and bring in uh, a special service, you know, for a holiday. However. Within each individual Christian and each individual family, you know, what you decide to do, whether it be on the Friday where Jesus was, you know, crucified, if you decide, hey, I'm taking this Friday off, mm-hmm. I'm just going to spend today in contemplation and reading the scriptures and and then thanking God for, you know, Jesus dying for my sins. Uh, if you decide to take that, that Saturday as a special rest day and do nothing because you know what? Jesus didn't do anything that day because he's in the tomb. That's right. And then if you decided to, with your family, uh, you know, go to church on Sunday, which we do every first day of the week, mm-hmm. and then also, you know, consider that, hey, this is actually the time of year 
when Jesus was resurrected. How great is that? Uh, I think that's within each individual's liberty and right to do. You know, I, I really agree with you there. I mean, we could, we could turn to Romans 14 or we, we could talk about sure. Galatians 4. I, I, th- I think both of those, I know that, that the people would, would who, who uh, don't observe Easter as a religious holiday, they do it with a good conscience. And, and the, the argument that I've heard, and I completely agree with this argument, is that we observe the resurrection every Sunday. And yes. I, I think that's that's a perfectly good a, a perfectly good position to take. And then I, I hear people, but we do know this is when he when he was resurrected. Right. And you know what? If that if that helps you, please keep on doing that. Right. I think this is one of those things that it doesn't necessarily have to be an either or. It can be a both and yeah. situation. It does not have to be an either. You remember the resurrection, the death and resurrection of Jesus every first day of the week, or you do it yeah. one time a year. Yeah. It can definitely be a, yes, we as a, as a congregation and partaking of the Lord's Supper, remember the death and the burial and the resurrection of our Lord yeah. every Sunday, just as God has commanded. But then if I also, because of the time of year, and I understand the, the the Jews, like you said, in the synagogue down the street have observed the Passover this week, and so that points to this is the time of year when Jesus died and then rose, and if I, I think of that in a special way, again, I think it can be a both-and situation. I completely agree with that. Kind of in, in, in conjunction with this, you, you talked about what crucifixion was, and I think... I've heard. I'm sure you've heard this as well. That that a lot of what we've done is sanitize the cross. That yeah. that that we've taken the cross, we made it a symbol, and it's it's a good symbol, but it became it becomes a symbol that that is that is cleaned up a lot. But the, the, the argument that you made, and I think you're absolutely hundred percent right, is that it it is it's a a, a death of shame. I've heard that it was the most excruciating. I don't know. I would just as soon not figure out whether it was the most excruciating form of death or not. If somebody was was looking at Jesus and saying, why would God allow Jesus not only to be killed, but be killed in a completely shameful way? Does that just does that mean that God is just powerless over man? I think there's a couple of different areas of which we can look at here, and I don't know that we're going to come to a full appreciation of this, but there's a couple of things I'd like to explore. First, I will, um, and not that we get we, we don't make any money off this podcast, and certainly by referring <laughs> others to other podcasts, but I mentioned in the sermon on Sunday that I was listening to a podcast, and it's a, it's a historian that, that I enjoy. I've read a lot of his works. I, I think I actually have read all of his works that he's published. Um, the historian's name is Tom Holland, mm-hmm. uh, also the actor that plays Spider-Man. They're not the same people, Good. but same name. <laughs> uh, anyway, his podcast is called The Rest is History, and so there's a weekly episode, and they, they just talk about a different historical, you know, event. And, and it's fairly interesting. Um, uh, so last week's episode was on the crucifixion, uh, again, because of the time of year, Easter and, uh, and Good Friday and all that. Mm-hmm. And, and so, again, he was postulating that this is the, the major factor of it. And, and he was actually saying that when you look at the gospel accounts and how they picture the crucifixion, that adds a lot of validity to the gospel accounts because they were painting it as an extremely shameful thing. Mm-hmm. Paul speaks of that in 1 Corinthians chapter 1. 
where he talks about how we preach uh, the cross, which is you know uh, foolishness mm-hmm. to to the Greeks and a stumbling block to the Jews, um, and it's it's foolishness to the Greeks because of that idea of shame. Mm-hmm. Um, how could you say that your God, not only that he died, but he died a death that was reserved for criminals and slaves? Yeah, and how can you say that? So why would God do this? Well. I think Paul gets at part of the answer in 1 Corinthians that in this in this plan of salvation, a plan of salvation that is going to require faith, which is what God has always been looking at from for, looking for from his people mm-hmm. from Adam on. Mm-hmm. And Israel's great failure as the Hebrew writer makes clear in Hebrews chapter 4 is they had grace, they had the word of God, they didn't have faith. And so in this plan of salvation and sending his son, the death is going to be a death that's going to require people to put faith in the unbelievable. Not only that Jesus is going to be raised from the dead, but first he's going to die and not die like you and I could die or like, you know, even, you know, many people would die in war or combat. He's going to die as a criminal on a cross Mm -hmm. And in shame. So I, I think that's part of it. Um, another area that I haven't given as much thought, but if we consider that the the death of Jesus is because of sin, mm-hmm. you go back to the very first sin and what was the immediate result of sin? They had to work. They were cursed. They were cursed at the very They were beginning. cursed, but at, at first, even before that, they hide from God. Oh, yeah. they're, they're, they're ashamed. Yeah. And so... Again, I haven't I haven't given this one as much thought, but it, could there be a connection there? Yeah, that the Messiah who's going to save and redeem man, he's going to experience shame like no one else has experienced shame, mm-hmm. because sin brought shame, and, and that's you know if we consider you know even you know reasons why Christianity doesn't really fit with the, our times, it, it may be because of that because. Yeah. Religion and following God acknowledges shame. It acknowledges that things that I've done, I should be ashamed of, and that that's not really a an ethos for for our time. But it certainly is one that we have to have if we're going to you know truly rely on God. I don't know if you would agree with this. I think the other thing that I would say to that is, I would not pick up anybody else's vomit. I would not wash anybody else from head to toe, but I do that for my kids. Um, I will, I will willingly look like an idiot for my kids because I love them. And that love often requires of us to do things that make us look foolish. And I think, is it a failure of God? I think it is the greatest demonstration of love. I think God has, has showed us exactly how much he is willing to love us, not only to send his son to be cruci- not only to send his son to be to be a sacrifice. He loves us enough that, that he's going to make him look foolish in the process, and and that that he will he will put up with all of the shame. He will put up with all of the the ridiculousness of it. I mean, it, you you painted the picture of Jesus with a crown of thorns, with with a with a a, a robe. It is the most mocking spectacle of quote-unquote 
fake royalty for someone who was royalty. They were making fun of his royalty. And that's what he's willing to put up with. Yeah. One more kind of line of thought that that kind of comes to mind. Everything God does, he's also modeling things for us. Mm -hmm. Well, when you consider what Paul talks about in Philippians 2, and as he's calling for us to... You know, be humble to to serve each other, and, and of course, the example he gives of that is Christ. Yeah, and he begins by talking about how how Jesus did not consider uh, equality with God um, a thing to be grasped or uh, to be held on to. In other words, he he willingly divested himself of that glory. Yeah. He didn't divest himself of uh, of being divine, but he divested himself of the glory of being with the Father. He became a man. And the very last thing it mentions is, and he came here and and died on the cross. That that that's the bottom rung of the ladder. You you don't get lower than that. And so then what Paul does is this is the object lesson. What do you mean I need to serve these other people? What do you mean I need to consider um, their wants and their needs and, and their opinions as higher than my own? Mm-hmm. We'll, we'll look at what. Jesus endured and how low he was willing to go. Like you, you know, the example you gave with your kids, you know, things we, things we will do for those we love and and Jesus in, in enduring that, you know, gave us that object lesson. Yeah. Yeah. You also mentioned that we will also be resurrected. Is this resurrection going to be literal? Is it going to be figurative? How do we know what we will be resurrected to? Will we be uh, resurrected to judgment, or will we be resurrected to life? Well, it all depends on which resurrection you're asking about. <laughs> so, and that was kind of a big point of, right. of the lesson on Sunday. So, John chapter five, Jesus actually speaks of two resurrection events. He starts in, in verse twenty-five and talking about a um, a resurrection that was going to happen. He says, "The hour is coming, and now is." when all who hear his voice will will have eternal life. That is not a, a literal resurrection in the sense of it being a physical resurrection, but it's a literal resurrection in, the, in, in, in that it's a spiritual resurrection. That's the resurrection that Paul talks about in Romans chapter 6, that when we're baptized, we are buried with Christ and we're raised to walk in newness of life. Right. So there's that resurrection, that the, the gospel proclaims that we can be raised right now. We can We can stop being dead in our sins, and we can now be alive and glorified with Jesus. The second resurrection, uh, again, that Jesus talks about in verses 27 and 28 of that passage, is a resurrection that's still yet to come. And Paul goes to to great lengths to talk about this being a, a physical resurrection in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, that Jesus rose he was seen by all these witnesses, and the gospel accounts go to, to great lengths to make us understand that he was you know, literally risen. Not saying there weren't necessarily changes in the body, but it was still a body. Mm-hmm. It was a body that was, that was raised and that Thomas could place his fingers where the nails went into his hands and into his side. So it's a body that's raised. But then Paul goes on to talk about how that body... Whereas we have a body here that is corruptible and and a body that perishes, the body that we're resurrected in, still a physical body, but it's a body that's fit for heaven. It's a body that's now imperishable and incorruptible. Um, 
and all we can go on is faith in, in that. And that's what Paul's trying to do in 1 Corinthians chapter 15. If we believe, based on evidence, that Jesus rose from the dead, and all the evidence points to that, mm-hmm. then here is what's going to happen to us. I can't, I can't show you what that body's like because we've not seen a body like that, but it will be a physical resurrection of our bodies and will be changed and it will be imperishable, incorruptible, and undefiled forever. How does understanding the resurrection help us in God's upward call? The resurrection says that this life isn't all there is. Mm-hmm. Um, and again, going back to to Paul's audience, uh, there were there were those who would have listened to Paul who thought this life was all there was. Mm-hmm. Um, there were those who listened to Paul and thought, well, no, there, there's a spiritual existence that continues on, but you know, the spiritual is is good. It's really only the flesh that's that's evil. So once the flesh dies, then the spirit goes on to happiness. Right. Um, God made the body. Mm-hmm. Uh, just as God breathed the soul into man, he, he he gave man a body. He made that body. And one day he's going to redeem that body. And so what the resurrection tells us is that this life isn't all there is. And there's a judgment to come. And so what we do now is important. And, and so that upward call that we're pressing on every day, here's why it matters. Mm-hmm. Because you and I may die. Uh, hopefully that's going to be quite a few years from now, (laughs) but we, we, we may very well die, but there is something that happens after this. Right. Right. Yeah. First Corinthians, the 15th chapters is the one I keep on going back to, which is if you, if you don't understand the resurrection, you really don't understand Christianity because so much is tied up in it. Does that make sense? Uh, Paul says it's a matter of first importance. Yeah. Yeah. That's exactly right. Well, are you preaching next time, Josh? No, uh, JP is going to be um, uh, teaching or preaching on, on Sunday, so okay. he'll be continuing in his First uh, Corinthians thirteen series. Well, that sounds good. Well, listen, man, I really appreciate you explaining this to me. Well, I, I enjoyed it. It's a um, we we merely scratched the surface. <laughs> uh, we we may have dug pretty deep in my knowledge, but we've scratched the surface of the actual topic. Yeah, I, I have to agree with you. Well, thanks a lot, man. Thanks, Kenny. Thanks for listening. If you'd like to get to know us more, you're welcome to watch a live stream service or join us in person at the University Church of Christ in Tampa, Florida. We have all of our information at universitychurchofchrist.org. Until next time, God bless you in your walk with God.